Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we're talking jobs, kinda. But not my job. I know. It's, well, we'll get to you it here in a second. It is my job. Yeah, it is your job. Um, you threw off my intro. We're going to roll with it. <laughs> First up, BJ sounds like this today. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. I do not he, sound good. He's sick. He's powering through. He insisted that he power through, so I let him. And we're going to roll with it, even though we're recording two episodes tonight. I'm going to try to talk more than normal to make up for it. We'll see what happens. But because we're doing a double record, these might be a little shorter. So so we have both been playing games with job systems, and we want to talk about like RPG job systems, and really it's like JRPG job systems. And... A little bit more specifically, it's kind of, the more I researched it, the more I looked into it, because I was doing a little bit of background research on this today, it's kind of Square Enix is the company that does games like this. And I know there are others that are exceptions, but when you look at the list of like job system games, it's almost all Final Fantasy and a couple Dragon Quest games, which I didn't really realize that until today, but I was racking my brain trying to think of other things that have kind of a true job system in the way we think of them, and I, I couldn't come up with anything really. Yeah, I really can't think of other other RPGs that do it like this, where, uh, I mean, yeah, you'll have stuff like, you'll have class systems, uh, but generally with the way the job systems work is uh, building up levels in one, cla- one job or class and then being able to subclass and in a lot of games you are one class and one class alone and uh, there are a lot of variations on it like in Skyrim or something like that where you can put points into different trees but uh, but they work completely differently yeah and those are more like freeform so I tried to I mean I realized that not everybody listening might know what like a, a job system in an RPG is so I tried to kind of come up with a little explanation here so it's basically kind of like what you were saying you get to pick a job or a class for a character and it determines that characters like traits and abilities basically um usually in the game you can reclass into another class for that same character over the course of the game and like you said sometimes you can pick up abilities in one class and then when you reclass later you can like associate those old abilities with them so you can kind of like mix and match a little bit which can be fun um and this is compared to other games that are more free form where you can kind of do anything so a game like final fantasy 7 where the materia system lets you make every character into whatever you want regardless of class you know or game like Skyrim, like you said, that are more freeform and you can just kind of go down trees and build your character on the fly. Um, or even games like uh, Final Fantasy 4 or Final Fantasy 9 that each character has a very defined class that kind of represents them and their characteristics and defines them as a character. And that still has their abilities and stuff. But uh, a game with an actual job system lets you change the job and mix and match. Whenever. Yeah, whenever. I think whenever. that the really, big, the really big difference in some of these is that you can completely change whenever you want. Because I was just sitting here thinking about the materia system being essentially a job system and then looking at something like the very first Final Fantasy where you pick your classes, but you can't change. In Skyrim, you can't change just on a whim, You but all of a sudden in Final Fantasy 5, you can go from a geomancer to a white mage in thir- in three seconds, and uh, just based on the the individual situation. Yeah, and I mean, I was looking up like where these came from. I mean, Final Fantasy 3 is one of the earliest examples of a job yeah. system like in effect and there were some dragon quest games and i will be the first to admit that i don't know as much about the dragon quest series as i probably should for how much i like jrpgs but there were a couple in the dragon quest series that did it too and i think and i may be wrong somebody's going to correct me on this or or say yeah you're right but i 
think that Dragon Quest did it first, um, where they did it and then Square, because Square and Enix were separate companies back at this point, I think that Dragon Quest did it, Square saw it and was like, yeah, we can do that better, and then made Final Fantasy 3. It might have been Dragon Quest 3 that did that, because generally the Dragon Quest games came out n- number-wise before the the Final Fantasies did for a good long time. Yeah, and that wouldn't surprise me at all if it was Dragon Quest first and then Final Fantasy took it and ran with it and now both of them have it sometimes. It's not in every game in the series. It's very specific games. So I've been playing Final Fantasy V with the 4-Job Fiesta and you have been playing Bravely Default, which honestly, like for my money, is a direct spiritual successor to Final Fantasy V. And I think I told you that before you played. Do you believe me now? Absolutely. See, I, I started playing it, and I actually wasn't going to play the game. I ended up buying it because it was the last day that I had a 30% off coupon, and the used copies of it were as much as the new digital download. So I could. I was just like, all right, 30% off, so that's the cheapest I'm going to get it. So I downloaded it to my 3DS, and I was playing Tales of Hearts on the Vita, and it was. I was enjoying it a lot, but I didn't really. I wasn't really invested in the story. I'm probably maybe 20% away from the end of that game. So I decided one morning, I was just like, you know what? I want to see what Bravely Default starts out like and see how pretty it is because the Bravely Second demo was really pretty. And it didn't take very long at all for me just to get pulled in immediately. Like It, it really took maybe 10 minutes and immediately I realized that, yeah, the job system is definitely an, an enhancement of Final Fantasy V's, uh, really that spiritual successor, but the art style and the way that the characters and world is presented is pretty much a successor to Final Fantasy IX. That it feels like I'm playing a baby between the two. Like it has that same feeling that you have when you're playing Nine, And it's just the, the atmosphere. And so I just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, with it I've been going. So I've been playing it quite a bit in the free time that I've got while I've been sick. Yeah, and... I- I could see that. Like, I hadn't really put that together before, that it's kind of has some nine DNA in there, too. But now that you mention it, like the look and the feel and some of the characterization is definitely kind of pulling from that side of Final Fantasy. And, and uh, there's even a point in, uh, in it, and it's not even a spoiler because it's a very minor reference. There's a point where you get to uh, get to an area and these two characters, these two side characters are talking about this knight that they know. And he is, his name is Steiner and he uh, he wears this really shiny armor. He's always smiling, and but he always looks like he's really uncomfortable because his armor's too tight. And I'm just like oh my goodness, they really did want this to be Final Fantasy IX. Like, they wanted people to know this just by putting that in, and it made me so happy yeah, when I read that. Like, when we talk about the Final Fantasy series, there are games that are, like, made by Square or Squaresoft or Square Enix, depending on, like, when the game came out, that are so close to Final Fantasy that you can basically include them in the same bucket in a way. Even though technically yeah. they're not, you can tell that it either started as a Final Fantasy or it grew out of what they learned from a previous Final Fantasy game, mm-hmm. um, or it's a prototype for something that eventually, oh, another Final <laughs> Fantasy in the future. Like, it's it's kind of yes. all of those remixes. So when I think about that, I always think of Chrono Trigger. Like, I still yes. think Chrono Trigger is one of the best Final Fantasy games out there. But then, yeah. th- you know, another one that I think of these days is Bravely Default, because yeah. I think, if I'm remembering right, I'd have to go do research, which I didn't do. Um, the I think Bravely Default 
actually started as a Final Fantasy game. It did. There was a Nintendo DS game called Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light, and the team that did it was working on a sequel to it, and they ended up basically saying, hey, we're going to make this new IP with it instead of making it just Final Fantasy, and they honestly just kind of swapped around some of the uh some of the mentions and names of things i mean you still have phoenix downs and uh, one of the first enemies that you fight in the game is a is a coral except it's just called a panther it is a final fantasy game there's white mages you use uh you use pg instead of gill uh things like that but well, they said the it's a final fantasy game the spells curaga yeah uh, curata all of that like they're straight out of hey stega they do exactly the same things because it is a final fantasy game just like how the the persona games have the same spell names and like the spells do the same thing as the mainline smt games um same thing here like the spells are named after the final fantasy spells it's like exactly the same they behave the same it just happens to be a spin-off even though they don't even like necessarily say that it is it is if you've played the game it, it definitely yeah. is oh yeah there's no way and especially with the way that the job system is implemented and things like that where you you unlock a certain number of jobs as you go through different milestones in the in the game to be able to to play with and level up and enhance your characters like it's i'm very glad that it's a final fantasy game uh, because it's i haven't been terribly happy with most of the final fantasy fantasy games uh lately i mean i love them don't get me wrong but none of them are that traditional jrpg final fantasy that we fell in love with and this one really is and i'd always heard it but until i played it i mean it took 10 minutes for me to be like yeah everybody was right this really is just a final fantasy game yeah and i really liked bravely default there is well I like to a point. There's a point that you get, which I warned you already. It's around like chapter. I just got there before we started uh, doing this. Yep. Okay. Where it's there's the beginning of five. Yep. Okay. I knew it was somewhere in there. And um, to stay spoiler free, in case you do pick up the game, you get to a point where there's a very obvious loop, and you don't know how long that loop will continue. And you either decide I'm going to keep playing this game for a long time, or okay, I think I've seen enough. Uh, maybe I'll just Google the ending and watch it on YouTube. So. I fell on the side where I actually played all the way through to the true ending, which not a lot of people do, but I guess that was the mood I was in at the time. I'm kind of curious like which side of it you're going to land on, but it might be a little too early to know. And I'm going to ask after we get off air, because there is one thing that I'm pretty sure that I'm, I, I just got there and I opened up uh, what you're talking about. And I'll, when we're off air, I'm going to ask you something specifically about, because I've read about the good ending and the bad ending. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to ask, so I don't spoil things for other people. Yes, because it is a good game. It's It really it's is a good fantastic. game. And then there's Bravely Second, too, if you're interested in that. But And, um, I'm, and tying into that, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm glad we're talking about job systems tonight is because i've dove i've dived so deep into the bravely default job system and looking things up online and trying to to find out what classes go go best together and what levels abilities come that when i get to bravely default and i'm absolutely playing it after this there there's no way that i'm not but i'm not looking up bravely second yes when i get to bravely second i am not looking up anything about the job system online like i'm not going to know when they come i'm not going to know what abilities are are changing or or there at all i'm going straight through it because i feel like i am now uh locked into the i have to make everything perfect mode versus uh letting it come normally and so i'm uh i know i'm gonna play the second one different 
I'm going to spoil one job for you, even though I know you're going to stay spoiler free. But okay. I just need you to know that, and I need the listeners to know, which is why I'm telling you, otherwise I wouldn't. But there is a class, a job that you can have in Bravely Second called the Catamancer. And <laughs> it is about cats. Like you, you use cats to do all of your abilities and you have oh. skills based around cats and like cast cat spells. I don't remember oh exactly, but it stuck out in my mind as like the class from that game that has just like i'm never gonna be able to forget right. it's like a cat mancer it's ridiculous oh, want, and amazing i want that so much i want i want that so very much like that's that's fantastic and there are classes in this game that i didn't think i was going to like and ended up liking and there's some in this one that i like because of final fantasy 5 having taught me that i like it but and that i missed from final fantasy 5 but catamancer catmancer I am I'm all in already. Awesome. You had me at Catamancer. <laughs> so the uh, Final Fantasy V, I'm going to backtrack to that because that's what I've been playing. I've been playing the Four right. Job Fiesta, which kicked off on June 17th this year. Um, it always finishes right after they do like a speed run of it. So if they don't finish the speed run, it kicks off a day later. But it's fun to watch the end <laughs> of the speed run to see when the, the Fiesta actually starts. That's kind of how they time it out, which is random but interesting. And... Um, I started, I got White Mage first up, and Ooh. if you do want to do Fiesta, which I guess I should step back and explain, if you haven't listened to the last couple episodes, it is a way to play Final Fantasy V where you are randomly assigned a job for each crystal, and you reveal it when do you when you beat that crystal, and not a moment before, because it's kind of fun, it's part of the surprise. And you get four jobs, and those are the only ones that you're allowed to do, with some caveats around it. Like, you can kind of, like, buy your way out by doing donations to a charity. Um, so... If you have never played before and you get a white mage or a thief as your first one for the wind crystal, I highly suggest that you change jobs because those are really hard to do. I don't even want to do them yet. And this is my like fourth <laughs> year doing the fiesta. So I got white made. That was my first draw. And I'd been talking to you. And I think I mentioned it on air <laughs> one time that I wanted to try a night run because I had never done night as my first class okay. before. Yeah. And since I got white mage, I just bought my way out of it. So I used the job fair, which is on the nice. website. It's called the job fair. You can go in, you can say, okay, for this crystal slot, I want this job. And it tells you how many dollars it costs. So if you're buying one of the, like super broken jobs it costs more money which <laughs> or if you're buying like a job later in the game i think it costs more money whereas if you want to switch on the wind crystal it's fairly cheap so it's just like a couple bucks um you do it on the website and then it kicks you over to a donation for child's play which that's like my favorite charity anyway so i was like oh i get to donate to my favorite charity and i get to buy my way into a job that i've wanted to try so i switched over tonight um but then after that i've just been taking whatever ones they give me because i was like the knight is a really good base class to start with i can probably make anything else work well technically you can make any combination of any four jobs work in final fantasy 5 which is one of the amazing yes. things about the game and why the four job fiesta works as well as it does and it's it's insane like i didn't realize all of the things they had put into it until the boss fights book that we've talked about a couple of times and i can't even imagine thinking about all of the possibilities that are in that game like the developers did because you really can do it with anything like last year you realized that you could break items to be able to deal damage uh break staves and rods and things like that to do damage and when you don't have real a, really a damage dealer on your team and it's that kind of thing just that small thing like that where it's a fairly normal rpg thing 
it had to have been there. That there was no if they had left that out, part of the game would have been unplayable. Well, yeah, I mean, the Final Fantasy, the Four Job Fiesta actually has a bunch of like subclass run or not subclasses, but different varieties of runs that you can do. So I've always done normal because I still feel like even though I'm three or four years into it, that I'm like getting my feet wet, but. I feel like I'm almost ready to do one of the like variation runs. So you can do ones where you give yourself berserker risk. I know we've talked about that before. So you could end up with like four berserkers in your party, which is crazy, but you can beat the game that way. Um, but you can, there's like a run that's called team. I think it's team 750 because all of the rods that you can break in the game cost 750 gold, no matter <laughs> what the whole game. So really? if you do a team 750 run, you only will get classes that can break rods. So every single class is guaranteed to be guaranteed to be uh, a rod using class, which basically means you're going to have a magic heavy team. And then yep. there's the opposite of it, which is like team no 750 or a no 750 run. <laughs> it's something like that where you don't get anybody that can break rods and you have to make it work. But it also means that your team is very like melee focused. So I've been thinking about maybe my next run, whether I try to do a second one this year or more likely I do another run next year. I might try one of those two. That's that sounds insane. Doing it with no casters whatsoever. That's kind of the one that I want to try. But I mean, I figured it was it, it just goes to show you how much diversity there is in the Final Fantasy V job system. There's something like 30 classes. I never remember the exact number. It's like high 20s, I want to say. Never can. Yeah. And um, but, you know, just to do four and have them randomly assigned and be able to make it work no matter what, if you're willing to put in the time. Right. That's why if it's your first time, you probably don't want to put in the time for a white mage or thief just because it's so hard on the front end. Don't do that to yourself. Um, but it's cool. It's just cool that you can make it work no matter what. So this year I am currently through the fire crystal, which is the third crystal. Uh, I finished that off last night. And I have Knight because I picked that one up. Um, I got Summoner and I got Geomancer. So I've had a nice. Summoner before and it works fairly well in World 1 and World 3. World 2, it struggles a bit because you run out of mana. Like it is it is the class that just destroys your mana more than any other class in the entire game. I don't know if you yep. remember. I know you've played the game, but not for a while, uh, right? Summoners in general in pretty much every game. Honestly, I haven't even touched them in Bravely Default simply because of that, because of how expensive ethers are. I decided, you know, cool as summons are, not even going to bother. Yeah, so you can, in the first world, it doesn't take as much mana to cast stuff, and it's fairly powerful, so you can do a lot with them. Second world, it's very mana heavy, and you'll just get wiped out over and over again in terms of MP. Um, but then third world, by the time you get there, there's some kind of accessory either end of second world or beginning of third that helps you out a lot. I don't remember. I have to do my research <laughs> to figure it out. But that's kind of part of why I want to do this episode is because of the research thing, because like, I don't have my fourth job yet, but I will get it probably, maybe not tonight if I'm editing, but maybe tomorrow, very soon. Right. I'll pick up the fourth job whenever I finish the water crystal on World 1, and then I will need to do a little bit of research and figure out, like, what to do with these classes, where the strengths are, <laughs> and, like, what I need to remember about them, right? Because the summoner yeah. has a bunch of side quests you can do to pick up specific summons, and there's that accessory that I kind of vaguely remember, but I don't exactly remember what it is, um, and who knows what the fourth class is going to be. Plus, I've never used Geomancer before, even in, like, my base playthrough of this game. I it was just not Geomancer. something that I did. I mean, I've used it in other Final Fantasy games, which, if that holds true, like it has been in other games... 
It's a class that's kind of okay, and then sometimes situationally awesome, but mostly just okay and random with their Gaia ability. So Yeah, kind of. The thing is that, like, it's a research and it's a deep dive, and that was the part of the four-job fiesta I thought you might not be interested in. But hearing you talk about Bravely Default, it sounds like you would absolutely love this, because that's what you're doing, aren't you? What do you mean? Well, I mean, you told me that you've, like, gone so far down the rabbit hole of Braille default jobs to like figure out what's coming up and how yeah. to optimize them and what okay. you're working towards that like you are trying to really like grok the jobs that you're interested in. <laughs> yeah. And that is what the entire four job fiesta is about. And that I don't know whether or not that's a good thing for me, but the four job fiesta might be able to give me a little more focus on it because I'm pretty much doing it anytime I get a new job or just start thinking about like, oh, I wonder what this would be like. And I go and, and search it out and see what abilities go. But if I'm like basically locked into night and blue mage and all of this, it might be a little bit uh, easier for me just to learn how they how they work together yeah, and kind of kind of pray for a mystic knight and a freelancer yeah or i mean well you can't i don't think you can get a freelancer on a normal run it's hard i to, didn't know i don't think so but you can definitely get mystic knight and that's the thing too is if you have like one class you really want because you you want to dive deep on it or you want to understand yeah. how it works or you've had a bunch of other classes and you just want to try something new you can always pay your into your way into it with the job fair and donate a little bit to charity and it's like it's literally a couple bucks it's not like 20 dollars or 30 it was like i think it was two dollars to buy my way into night this year so it's not much that's not bad but yeah i mean i think that's why you might like it is because it's what you're talking about but instead of having a giant variety open to you it's a real deep dive on four jobs to focus on yeah and you can do any combination of them that you want right so if like you get it and you're like i think two nights would be better than whatever it is that you got for the fourth job it's like i'll just run with two nights no not generally there's a couple okay. like chaos runs and like like i said there's a bunch of sub varieties of it so i think if you're doing chaos it gives you any order of any job from any crystal um if you're doing a regular run it will give you one crystal from or one job from each crystal as you unlock it ah, so your first okay. job is always going to be from the wind crystal your second one is always going to be from water oh, you know no, etc no. i mean if you uh if you hate the fourth job that you get instead of using it and you already have unlocked night you can just have two of your characters be a knight no so that's part of the oh. challenge. You have to use the four that you end up with. Oh, you have to use all four. Okay, I got yeah. it. I got you. So gotcha. you can rotate them around. So if you want to train, so like what I was doing last night, I had two knights and two summoners because I didn't have my third job unlocked yet. So I had it on two characters and two characters, and I did some grinding for a while to unlock a couple levels of each, and then I swapped it around, right? So the characters that yeah. were knights were summoners for a while the characters that were summoners were knights and i got some more levels out of them so you can move the job around between different characters so that you can build up abilities and then mix and match them right okay i got you yeah so it's fun i think you would like it that's why i wanted to talk about it today um i might because like it, is there anything else that you find compelling about the bravely default job system i guess that was my other main question for you on the topic well one of the things I've, I've noticed, and I, I, there are optional jobs in the game that they're they call them subquests as you go through, and the main quest has a, a has an orange bubble wherever the next waypoint is, and the optional uh, subquests are uh, 
blue. And there are so many of these and they are not required to finish the story. And I thought that was neat that there are about three jobs every area that you do not have to go through and do. That it's a really good idea to go get them. But if you just really don't want to go through it and you're trying to speed run or go through, you can pick and choose. If you know you're not going to be using the uh, the performer, then don't bother going through that particular quest line. And it's really interesting to me that they would do that. It's uh, because that's not something that's in any of the others. I think it's just here you unlock these as you go through, but there are also some that you don't have to. Yeah, that's pretty. That's interesting. You're right. I had forgotten about that aspect of it, but it was cool that you can kind of pick and choose if you want to. Yeah, and there's one that I may be leaving behind right now, just depending on what I'm on how it is, because I don't know if I'm going to use it, and it seems like a lot of trouble to unlock. So I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes that's the challenge of it. I mean, Final it Fantasy is. V has one that's like uh, an endgame quest, but I think it's Mime, if I'm remembering right. Right. Um, but yeah, not, not a ton of them hidden, but Bravely Default definitely does. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, before we jump off the topic, I wanted to mention a couple other, like, mention-worthy job systems in games so like final fantasy 3 we talked about it's kind of the prototype to final fantasy 5 um those early dragon quest games and later dragon quest games too i've heard that 9 has a really good system Um, i've read so much about 9 having like the best job system in gaming and just so many people just saying that that i'm really interested in playing it uh just to know what it is like what makes it so much better yeah i've heard really good things about 9 also at some point i want to try it i think it's only out on ds right only on ds yeah yeah okay regular Um, ds but you can play it on 3ds that way so yeah yeah um uh, i also can't touch on this topic without at least mentioning final fantasy tactics and the final fantasy tactics advanced games because those have just incredible job systems that are super deep in them um final fantasy 12 the zodiac age so the one that like we didn't get here initially but the re-release here the remaster on ps4 right now has the job system in it really Um, yeah yeah the one i didn't didn't know that because the one that we got here in the u.s originally when it first came out it was a free form system you get the license board and you get the i'm trying to remember everything in it i mean gambits are always yeah yeah like there's gambits but i think those apply the same way in this new one but the license board was just open on the original uh-huh. U.S. version, and the the Zodiac Age and the remaster, um, you have to pick a class, and then you're limited to where you can go on that license board. Okay. That's interesting, because I didn't know that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not... I don't know if it's a great job system, but it's an example, so I thought I should mention it. Yeah. And then, like, Final Fantasy fourteen has it's my... All, f- oh, my goodness. Yeah, it has my favorite job or class system in any MMO out there. Like, you have one character, but you can switch between jobs and classes, and they all have different independent levels. At any given time, unless you're, like, in a dungeon or something. But if you're out running around in the world, you can go from white mage to black mage to minor just standing there you don't have to log in and out and get people places and and line things up i love having just one single character that can do everything on there and people still have alts i mean there's there's no stopping that at all but uh, But you don't have to it's like the first mmo where it doesn't feel like you need an alt if you want to experience different things because you can have a max level character like i have my bard as my max level character almost all the time and I'll do that for like end game. Like that's my progression character. That's my level character that I use. But then 
I can have friends that are lower level and I'll jump over to like a white mage that's at a lower level to play with them, even though there's level scaling, so you don't have to do that. But it's kind of fun. It makes it really easy to mix and match classes and get different experiences on the same character. And it's really fun in 14 as well for when you're doing that, instead of using the level scaling, just to go onto a different class because it gives you variety. I know I've gone to talk and hang out with some friends who have who are on lower level characters i'm like instead of just scaling down and doing fates on uh, my white mage like i'll jump onto a warrior or whatever and do something and uh, just mess around for a little while with something new just to have variety it's it's fantastic and then in the notes you you've got final fantasy 10 too i was saving that for last on purpose Because I know I skipped over it in my list, but I think that is probably one of the best job systems ever in any game. And so good. The reason I saved it for last is because it is an amazing job system, but it is in a wrapper that puts so many people off that game immediately. Like Final Fantasy X has a tone that it strikes. Final Fantasy X 2 is if you took that completely, like got rid of the old tone, kept the characters, and then made it into like a j-pop girl band yeah am i what else i mean how else do i describe that game well they did go away with the j-pop stuff after that very first mission because it's a mission-based game and uh kind of went with more of a a charlie's angels kind of thing yeah it kind of has that that vibe to it but it's just that and it's the dress-up system is what it is i mean you do different jobs by putting on different outfits right but it works so well and it's so much fun that game is really really good it's not really the most cohesive game but it's really really fun yes yeah, so it's the dress sphere system dress which is sphere dress sphere that's hard it. to say but the dress sphere system makes it so that you can yeah it's basically what you said you dress up the characters with these different spheres and if you put it on the character their entire wardrobe changes so it's kind of like playing dress up with a girl band which is what puts people off that game but if you you don't have to look beyond that you can enjoy a girl band that's totally fine with me but even if you don't if you look beyond that and you just look at like the systems underneath it for the jobs and what goes into those classes that part of the game on its own is just fantastic and i may be wrong i may be remembering this wrong but can you do that in combat you can yes. change so in the jobs no, that's in a good combat. point so the way it works is that you get um and i can't remember what it's called it's some kind of like sphere grid or there's a, there's a special name for it like a paradigm board i don't know i'm just making stuff up now but basically you get um a layout of spheres so you get a certain number that you can fill in this layout and then all of those nodes are connected by lines so you can't jump from any one class to any other class but if you're on a class at on a node right you can follow any of the lines from that to the other nodes it's connected to and change classes that way so you might have like four in a line right so you wouldn't be able to jump from number one to number four without going through two and three but you can do it in the middle of combat is the thing and as the game goes on you get more of these whatever the dress sphere boards are called so you get different patterns and different layouts of them so that you can jump between classes more easily 
basically, and like add more spheres right. to yeah. it and have more options in battle. But yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it is that you can constantly be switching while you're in the middle of a battle. And it's really fun to do that it's something that none of these others have where you lock in before you go into the fight and or dungeon or anything like that. But it's being able to just do it in the middle of a uh, middle of a fight is planning out like, OK, I know I'm going to have this one character be these five different classes during this entire fight is is a really really interesting way to handle it uh it's it's sad that so many people haven't been able to play that one because of the way that the way it's presented well and it does super cool things too because of that changing mid-battle because you can switch to a class that's like all about buffing people and you can like buff your whole party and then you can switch to a damage dealing class for a while and do some damage and then maybe you have to switch to a healing class to heal your party because you've taken a bunch of damage um or they do some things with like boss fights where it might start out weak to one thing and then it changes over time so maybe you need a ranged class in there and then a magic class they because they know you can shift in the middle of battle there's just a lot of cool things they do with it and that's not that's a much more dynamic way that than most jrpgs handle their battles yeah i i don't know i just like that game but that's why i saved it for last because it's yep. it's weird because a lot of people not not a lot of people have played it but it's really good yeah and it's it's sad because it's one of the better ones out there that so few people have played even the people who are so hardcore into like final fantasy 5 and the fjf they may not be they may not have ever played 10 2 just because of what it is and you should if you are one of those people that like games like we're talking about you should absolutely play 10 2 there's a remaster on ps4 right now and there's a remaster on vita so it's available widely available and ps3 as well so even if you don't have one of those other two you can you can do it like it may even be on pc as well so play it play it um that's probably it for the main topic uh our geeky offer of the week this week is you can go to gameflyoffer.com slash geek and get a free one month trial on us or on gamefly whatever it works out um but it helps the podcast and you can try a game rental service they send them right to you uh, and you send them back. And I don't know. I really like it. I use it a lot. Um, the Network Talk this week, Geekitude, they're talking about favorite couples in geek properties. So I'm really excited to see what Joe and Ray come up with or hear what they come up with. And then I saw the Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea this week. They say that they went off the book. So I don't know what they <laughs> talked about, but it's bound to be interesting. I'm going to listen to that one probably tomorrow. Um, yeah, that one sounds neat. Yeah, it's always fun to hear what people come up with. With that, it's probably time for Week of Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I know what you did, but why don't you share? Well, last week, uh, my wife, you know, we did the Incredibles episode a few weeks back, and Jennifer has been like super excited about this. She's just stoked for like the last fourteen years for Incredibles two, and uh, she got a she got an advanced screening at, in Nashville uh, at the IMAX theater where it was a double feature of the Incredibles and the Incredibles two. So we traveled to Nashville on Wednesday night, which was the night before the early opening so it was a one night even more advanced uh, screening and uh so we saw the double feature of Incredibles and Incredibles 2 and it was fantastic that we were very very happy with uh, with the movie and I'd never actually seen a double feature in the theater before so it was a uh, it was really cool for me just to do that, just to be like, oh, I'm in the theater. We ate theater food and everything. It was crazy. But one of the things that I noticed was that as much as The Incredibles won, as much as the CGI has still pretty much stood up and you can't really see, like, it doesn't look as dated as a lot of CGI movies after after so many years. 
IMAX made it stand out more. You can see a lot more of the detail that they had to take out of background characters and minor details and uh, just kind of set dressing that you can't see even on like Blu-ray on a normal TV. But, you know, because you've got this hundreds foot tall TV screen in front of you that you see it a lot more readily. But it's also interesting that the both of the movies, even the first one, that there are textures on those on those characters and on the suits and things like that that I have never noticed before that like all of their outfits look really slick but on IMAX you can actually see that the uh, that there is a texture on the suits and the and on their symbol as well the eye on all of their red suits is actually a different texture than the red is it's not all just one slick thing and it's like that's crazy that for, it, 14 years later that you can still see that and you can only see it in IMAX, but they ended up putting that kind of detail in there. That it was really neat. That's incredible. And, uh, ha, I didn't mean to do that, but no, that's that's really cool. And so we love that. We love the the second movie. Um, Jennifer and I have talked. She's talked about doing a uh, another episode just to talk about it. So I'm not going to go into a lot just in case she does. But um, there were production rushes that I didn't know about that ended up making this movie not as amazing as the first one. But the real the thing is. Is that it's kind of like solo is for you um and on its own it would be a, it, like one like just about a perfect animated action superhero movie and because it is just about a perfect superhero animated action movie but superhero i don't know but because it's an incredibles movie it's getting held up to those higher standards and so it doesn't quite like it's not as as good as the first one but it is fantastically amazing and i'm going to be watching it a lot uh just because it's a really 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 good movie um and it's super fun and so the second the movie game came out they did a lego game and so we had pre-ordered it jennifer has gone crazy it's finally the incredibles game she's always wanted uh, it's kind of like the way we felt when arkham city came out and arkham uh like batman fans got with arkham uh Arkham Asylum and Arkham City which is like oh my gosh I am Batman and what we're looking forward to in that Spider-Man game that's kind of the way it is with the Lego game and her where she's like oh my goodness I can actually go around and explore all of this finally and uh, she has basically co-opted our Switch now like it's hers (laughs) and uh, like she plays Donkey Kong uh, Tropical Freeze and and Lego Incredibles and I honestly don't know if I'm going to get to play Octopath Traveler when it's brand new when it comes out because she may still be on there so much uh, that uh, we won't be able to play at the same time and I'll be playing something else in the time that she's on the Switch well, because I'm, she loves it so much. I'm glad that you enjoyed it and that she enjoyed it and yeah. I look forward to your episode about it with her whenever and, that ends up happening. Yeah, I, I, we, we had actually thought about doing it next week uh, when you're not recording and then sending it to you. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how, how life treats us. But um, it's also one of the best Lego games, by the way. If you guys are Lego fans, um, I didn't like Marvel Super Heroes 2 nearly as much as I did a lot of the others. And uh, this one is a lot cleaner and smoother and just more fun in general to play than uh, than the last couple have been. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this game, too, just because it's a better Lego game than I was expecting. <laughs> Sweet. That's good. Um, this week, I... I, I still spent a lot of my week listening to like E3 wrap up stuff and more things yeah. after we had recorded our last episode, just because the E3 conference actually goes from Tuesday to Thursday and we were recording Tuesday night. So there was a lot to listen to. The one I wanted to highlight. Well, first of all, if you want really good gaming podcast, that's not us because we're not 
that all the time, even though sometimes we are. Um, the Waypoint podcast is probably my favorite gaming podcast. If I had to pick one that I could keep and get rid of every single other gaming podcast from my phone, like that's the one I would keep. I would keep Waypoint. Um, so check that out if you want like everything. But the one interview that I wanted to pull out to talk about just briefly was um, Giant Bomb. So Giant Bomb, they do a lot of content. It's usually a little rambly for my taste, but I put it on while I'm doing other stuff. Um, and they did like a live at night from E3. And oh, they cool. did that every night or almost all of the nights. And if you go look that up in their podcast feed, it's Giant Bomb at Night live from E3 2018. It's called Night 2. The first part of it is an interview with Phil Spencer. And do you know who Phil Spencer is? I know that name, but I cannot okay. place who it so is. He's the head of Xbox. And okay, yeah, yep, okay. Yep. So he got bumped up to the head of Xbox, which was a new position. So he actually reports directly to the CEO of Microsoft now. Okay. which didn't used to exist like um right. the head of xbox xbox used to be like a division of a subdivision of a whatever and now it's its own pillar and he's in charge of it and like i've heard things about him as a person and a creator not bad things but just that he's like a genuine guy and he's good but this interview with him at the top of that episode was i don't know nothing has made me consider buying an Xbox One more than this interview did. Oh no! Oh no! It's because you like a person, and it You're is thinking no, about it, buying something because you like a person. It is. That's, uh, this is uh, why I had to tell you about it because. Oh my goodness! It's it's him. It's the fact that he's like so genuinely about games, and you can tell it by the way that he talks about it, and. It never would have come through in a press conference. It's never come through in any of the interviews that I've read with him. And I've read plenty because he's the head of Xbox, right? Right. It's they caught him at night at E3 in a more casual setting because it's giant bomb and that's what they do. And he just talked for like an hour with one of the hosts. And I don't know. There's something about the genuine aspect of that interview that was like, I actually thought about getting an Xbox One for the first time <laughs> ever because of it. Wow. So I, I had to tell you because it was personality driven for sure. That is that that is awesome. And uh, that actually ties into our next episode. So uh, so good. It is. Yes. We are going to talk about uh, how to choose a game console, which we'll talk about here in a couple minutes for us and in a week for you guys. Um but anyway, I had to highlight that. So That's so I fantastic. I know you haven't been listening to as many podcasts, but if you do, Beach, you should try that out. But other people... Yeah, that one sounds um, great. Yeah, maybe listen to that interview. Don't listen to the whole thing, because it's like five hours of podcast, but the interview is oh. right at the beginning. So besides that, um, I grabbed Hollow Knight, which I think I said I was going to do. Yeah, right. I got it on the Switch, which it's been out on PC for a while. It's a really good Metroidvania. It's super like moody and atmospheric, but the the base of it is really solid and really interesting. Um, I put in like four hours before I realized that I wasn't actually in the mood for a Metroidvania. <laughs> but what? but if you are, and whenever I get back around to being in that mood, this is the game that I'm going to go for. So I can easily recommend it if you are a Metroidvania fan. And it's only $10 on the Switch, isn't it? It's... I actually don't remember. I want to say it's like 14, but don't quote me on that. Regardless, it's very affordable for a, for the indie game like that on Switch. Yeah, it's not a $60 game. It's like somewhere in that 10 to $20 price range. So it's it's good. If you like Metroidvanias, go look at Hollow Knight if you never have. And then the other thing this week, I also grabbed Fortnite on the Switch because... Well, of course. Well, I tried Realm Royale on PC, which is free to play. And it's a battle royale game. Um, it has classes. It has special powers. Um, it has a forge, which is a really interesting mechanic. You can like disenchant items in the middle of the game and then take those disenchanted shards to a forge and like forge a really good item. But 
it huh. takes a full minute to forge it and when you do it shoots up like smoke and sparks and stuff into the air so other people uh, know that you're there which is fascinating all of those things are interesting but they weren't enough to make me switch if i'm in the mood for a battle royale game so i gotcha like i like the end game maybe a little bit better because it doesn't always just turn into a battle about shotguns and building <laughs> like above people i was talking to a friend online about this and i was like yeah that's a really good point when he brought that up but besides that end game um i don't see why i wouldn't choose fortnite over it and since fortnite just came out on switch and i was kind of in that mode i grabbed it on the switch and i started playing it and it was it was good enough. It was kind of interesting to try it on a new platform and play it on my big TV, stuff like that. But my daughter saw me playing it, and she's like, is that Fortnite? Because she'd played <laughs> it a couple times on PC. And I said, okay. yeah, you know this. You've played it before. And she's like, I didn't know we could play it on the Switch. She's like, I've watched a bunch of videos about this since we last talked. And I was like, oh, okay, this is news to me. So oh, she wow. has been playing it on the Switch for like most of a week now. And she's loving it. And then she's like, can I get this on my iPad? So I put it on her iPad. <laughs> so all of that to say, I now have like a seven-year-old that's progressing my account when I'm not home or when I'm at work. And it's kind of awesome. That's pretty awesome. It's, yeah. uh, it's like we always wanted when we were teenagers, or at least I wanted when I was a teenager, like just having a like an MMO bot just running all the time. Like you've accomplished that in real life now. Yeah, like, it only it's took not seven years and, and lots and lots of parenting. But yeah, I'm yeah. basically there now. It's cheap enough. Yeah, it's fine. That That is not a true statement. And with that, we'll probably <laughs> end the show. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have discussions on Slack, too. So go to slack.geek2geekcast.com for your invite. And remember, like we said earlier, we're part of a podcast network. So go to just geek2geekcast.com to see all of our shows. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. My voice will be the same next week. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.